0: Welcome to Salem Alliance Church.
1: For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at SalemAlliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker.
0: I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to Philippians chapter 2, if you would. The Philippians chapter 2, Paul is going to give us a metaphor. Now, this isn't an English class, uh, but you remember that when we put words into a picture and kind of use that to guide our lives or explain our lives in somewhere, we call that a metaphor. You, we do it all the time with phrases like, um, I'm in over my head, uh, I'm stuck in third gear, uh, got caught in a whirlpool, got too many plates spinning. Um, banging my head against a wall. Maybe you've referred to issues as snowballing or a leader as stonewalling or falling asleep at the wheel. There's all these phrases that we use. I challenge people to be students of our own language. Are you listening to what you're saying? A lady told me recently, I'm bipolar in how I lead. And I didn't feel like that was a really, um, you know, mobilizing metaphor. Now what she was saying was that she was ambidextrous. That she was able to do it in multiple ways. And so I said, I think ambidext- being ambidextrous is your better metaphor, if you can say the word to use it. <laughs> or, or the youth pastor who said to me, You mean I should change my metaphor from being a crack cocaine dealer? Well, yeah, but you probably should change your metaphor, but what do you mean? He said, well, these kids come in on Wednesday night, and I kind of get them high and hope they last until Sunday, and, and we do it all over again, and I go, oh, that's an awful approach to ministry, and yes, change your, change your metaphor, please, please. So this passage of Scripture, Philippians 2, I'm going to start in verse 12, middle of the verse a fascinating command continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What you've been given as followers of Jesus is such a holy, precious, beautiful, incredible thing. We should hold that in kind of an awe kind of way and to not just be passive about it, but to be developing that walk we have with God. But it's not all on our shoulders. Create the energy for that. Look at the beautiful promise in verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. There's a way that God wants us to live in this life. We know that. And what God beautifully does is actually shape us from the inside out so that we want to do what he wants us to do and then gives us the power to be able to do it. As the woman that I just met, again, 22 years clean and sober, three and a half years clean and sober. On the front. So um, the power to do that which God has called us to do comes from him. You'll hear more about that when you come back next week. Verse 14. Every mother in the room is going to say, amen, do everything without complaining or arguing. Amen. Kids, teens, if you want husbands, if you want to give your wife a great Mother's Day present, go for 24 hours without complaining or arguing, and it would be a great gift to her, so that you become blameless and pure, children of God without faults, in a crooked and depraved Generation. A crooked and the Greek word twisted generation. Something that was created in a beautiful form that has now been deformed, twisted, totally out of shape. Uh, And so Paul is saying we live in a crooked and twisted generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Against the dark backdrop of space. Against the dark backdrop of a twisted and depraved generation, ethically untethered, morally unbounded, a crooked and depraved generation, the dark backdrop, the deep night sky, against that backdrop, you shine like stars. And we all know that the darker the backdrop, the brighter the light that shines. Now, that's the metaphor, that you, church, are shining stars against a dark backdrop. I want to get really specific about that today and tell you some of the dark backdrops that are in this world. No news there. You watch it on the news every night or every time you turn the news on your phone, we're seeing dark backdrops. I want to tell you how the light is shining against those difficult settings. For example, the dark backdrop of terrorism. Doesn't get much uglier than that, does it? Well, I was in a North African country not real long ago having breakfast with Mo. Mo made it with his own hands. I didn't know that eggs could have so many flavors, wow. I had no idea what he was doing in those eggs, and it was great, and I don't know the name of that dish, but can I have seconds on that, please? This is, like, really good. I asked Mo, tell me your story. He said, well, I was a son of a watermelon farmer, grew up as an 11-year-old. I'd be laying out in the fields in the middle of the night protecting the watermelons from getting stolen, and I was laying there looking at the sky wondering about God. How do you get to know God? And... I grew up and got recruited to be a terrorist fighter, and so I was in the mountains getting trained in, in the fine art of terrorism. He looks at me as we're having eggs and said, I was trained to kill you, and he goes back on just eating the eggs. And but I had two problems up there in the mountains in my training terrorist cell. Uh, one, I really didn't have it in my heart to kill people. This wasn't that much interest to me. And secondly, I really wanted to have a relationship with God, but in, my, in Islam, you get to know about Allah, but you don't have a relationship with God. How do I have a relationship with God? Then I had a thought. Maybe if I could find a Bible, I could get to know God. Where does a guy in a mountain terrace I'll get that thought? I'll tell you where he gets the thought through the direct answer of your prayers as you're praying for God to advance his spirit in this world. And Mo has... This thought, if I could find a Bible, it took Mo six years to find a copy of this. You see, this is banned, outlawed, feared in many countries of the world. The truth will set you free, and what some countries are afraid of is free people. And Mo, took six years later, finally got his hands on a copy of the Bible with his brilliant intellect and his passionate heart, he devoured the scriptures, met Jesus Christ, found that Jesus was his way to have a personal relationship with the living God. Today, Mo is a doctor of philosophy in the national university system and the pastor of the baby church that is growing up in his country, the first in his city. And if you visit his church, which I had the privilege of doing, the young guys at the gate will scan you to make sure there's nothing too much underneath your coat, that you're not a suicide bomber coming into the service. A bright light shining against the backdrop of terrorism. How About the backdrop of closely related war in general, uh, the Syrian civil war has been raging for five years now. It grieves us to see this news. Do you know that you've got eighteen sister churches worshipping Jesus in Syria today, faithfully proclaiming the name of Jesus in Syria today? Half the congregation no longer lives in Syria. You guys were you guys have fled to places like Berlin or France or Sacramento or wherever, you guys didn't have enough money to flee. You're still living in your country, but the church is just as full today from every report I've heard. The church is just as full today because of all the people that are coming in to find out about this Jesus and, and, and to discover a, a different way of belief and thinking. How about the backdrop of poverty a few weeks ago I was in the Philippines and I found myself in a squatter settlement, an informal settlement. Hardworking people who uh, will never have, make enough money to be able to have land of their own. And so with political posters and scrap metal and cardboard they've uh, f- uh, put up a little shanty to protect themselves from the torrential rains and the uh, oppressive sunshine. But, but there, uh, thousands of people in this community, I met Anna Lou. Anna Lou grew up as the youngest of nine kids. Her mother died when she was two. Dad was a believing man, did his best to raise a family in the faith. But at eight, when Anna Lou was 14, dad died as well. And now the nine orphans are just doing their best to work together and survive. By the time Anna Lou was 19, she only had a sixth grade education because they didn't care. No, they cared very deeply, but it cost 15 cents to ride the jeep to get to school one way and 15 cents to get back. And that was 30 cents a day that family did not have if they wanted to eat that day. And so at 19, she was at a sixth grade education with really no future. Unknown to her, around the corner, uh, just maybe a kilometer or two away, uh, Alliance Church had been Birthed. a church plant started, and they bought uh, or they rented a couple of floors in a commercial space right across the street from Manila's version of Walmart. And there that church was meeting and growing, and they realized that the kids in that informal settlement not far away were not getting an education, so they started a, a, a school, bright light school which really is a bright light in that dark backdrop. Anna got connected, flunked her high school exam four times every year. Study, 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 flunked. Study, 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 flunked. But after the fourth try, Anna uh, passed next month, Anna is now Anna Lou is now a college graduate. She has her first job in an accounting kind of business, and she is the worship leader at the church plant. Of the church plant. You follow me? The new church realized so many people have come to faith in Christ through our school. We just got to plant a church there. I have never preached in a church quite like that. The smell of rotting fish coming through the glassless windows as the dog came in three times during the message. But that didn't stop the congregation from worshiping And Anna Lou, four foot seven Anna Lou, from being the worship leader, singing from a very deep place Not always on key, but from a very deep place, the praises of Jesus. A bright antelope, a bright light shining in the midst of a dark backdrop of poverty. And with her job now, she's helping her siblings, obviously. It's just the way they do it. By the way, when I was in the Philippines, I got to speak at a conference, 2,700 people, uh, uh, pastors, church leaders. I was already looking forward to heaven, but I'm really looking forward to heaven now that I heard 2,700 Filipinos sing. Imagine 2,700 Steve Dan Garen just letting her rip, you know? so it's amazing, It's amazing. Let's do the backdrop of the oppression of women. So many places in this world, uh, women are oppressed and Senegal is one of those places. The local proverb in Senegal, West Africa, is to educate a woman is to water another man's garden. Why would you bother investing so your your daughter could get educated when she's just going to go get married and be part of some other family and you're going to lose that investment to another family? So therefore, illiteracy among females in Senegal is very high and we see that dark backdrop as an opportunity. I hope you're starting to see this as a theme of the message, that the dark backdrop is an opportunity for the message to be advanced. And so some of the workers that you are currently supporting are having literacy training for the women of Senegal and using the scriptures in so doing so that their status in society, their ability to be engaged and, and to be employed, rises, and their ability to come to faith in Christ is, is real, and many of them have done so through the people that you have sent. You, I don't know if you're aware, but you know, the Christmas Alliance, we take responsibility for supporting our own international workers. That's what we call our missionaries in a lot of places where you can't safely be a missionary. And so we, we take responsibility. So if they don't have to raise their own support, we bear that responsibility for them so that they can give themselves fully to the work and not always have to be doing deputation and and, and trying to you know raise that support. So... That's just, it's kind of like this Christian mutual fund that you can invest in one individual if you want or one country if you want, but a lot of us just have a pleasure. And so when you give on the second line of that offering envelope, that's, that's what you're doing. Let's do the backdrop of racism. One of our uh, strategies is to follow people groups as they move from their homeland to another country. And in Asia some time ago, there were uh, significant, excuse me, in the Middle East some time ago, there were a significant number of Asians that came into the area for economic reasons. And an Asian American was sent by us to go over and to minister to the Asians that had come to the Middle East. Just... Uh, contacted a local real estate agent to try to rent an apartment uh, in, in the city when the landlord of the apartment looked down from his balcony and shouted, don't bring that color skin into my apartment building. Blatant racism, yet that family eventually found a place to live, was worked among the people, a church of 300 was established because of the work. How about the backdrop of, I've got a whole list here. It's kind of pick and choose each service, which ones I want to do. How about the backdrop of religious oppression? Back in the Middle East again, uh, the political and religious climate is such that some things have to be done discreetly and one of our teammates was having a clandestine Bible study, a single copy of the Scripture open on her kitchen table, when, and, and local women, fully garbed, came sneaking into her kitchen to study a single copy of the Scripture. While they were having the Bible study, one of the local women interrupted our teammate and said, I'm sorry, I don't want to embarrass you. But you're just learning the Arabic language. You probably don't realize what you just said. You just told us that we could be forgiven of everything that we've ever done. Certainly, I misunderstood your Arabic because that's impossible. No, our worker said. That's exactly what I said and what I meant to say because that's exactly what the gospel says, that you can be forgiven. Friends, we feel like this is a justice issue, that you can still live 2,000 years after Christ and not have access to that information, to not know that Jesus Christ offers that. You don't have to receive it. We're not forcing it to anybody, but at least know that forgiveness is available. That's a message that everybody should get to hear, and you're part of a church family that is trying to take that message to all the peoples of the world because you do realize that Jesus has said that he will not return until there's people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation worshiping him around the throne. And I've begun to realize one of the reasons why Jesus said that. As, as I've now circulated, we're in 37 different languages here in the United States and uh, way more than that overseas. And all of these languages have their own rhythm and nuance. And not just the language, the culture they represent have their own rhythm and hue and style and all that. And here's what I've concluded. The glory of God is too great. The glory of God is too great to be expressed through Norwegians alone. <laughs> That's me. (laughs) That every people, tribe, tongue, language, rhythm, hue, nuance, redeemed by the blood of Jesus is needed for the glory of God to be fully expressed. There has to be all of that at the throne if we're going to even begin to reflect how beautiful our God is. And so the beauty of the nations, the beauty of the peoples, the beauty of the languages coming together I'm getting to see more and more of this happening. Just last year alone, 60,000 people came to faith in Christ in Vietnam, where they're having, in, the Vietnamese church leaders said to me, we're being given greater permission to ask for permission. <laughs> I love the sentence. Acknowledging we're still in a communist country. You know, they, they run a lot of stuff, but, but our latitude, our capacity is, is growing and growing. Let me do just one more. How about the backdrop, the dark backdrop of ridicule, scorn? Is in the Philippines, as I mentioned, and heard a story there of uh, see, what we do, we, this isn't colonialism, we're not trying to run the whole world from the United States, and this, we're not trying to create independence either, that when we go into a country and establish a church, the, the locals support their own pastor, and then begin to train their own pastors, and then lead their own uh, congreg- congregations and denominations, and so I now have almost 60 peers around the world of the presidents of other Christian Mission Alliance uh, churches of other nations, and you'd love the guy from Mongolia, and the guy from uh, Cuba is fantastic, and oh, these are just really fun people for me to associate with, and so uh, I'm, I'm in the Philippines, and we've got eight Bible schools there, and I hear the story of one of the graduates of a Bible school some years ago that uh, got called to a church, but also felt like he needed to go out and take the gospel. where not been taken yet, and so uh, he took a four-day trek uh, through the Remote areas to get to a village that had never heard the message, never seen a Bible, didn't know who Jesus was. And for a week, he, under a mango tree, uh, he preached and he sang and he prayed. And uh, after being there for a week, four men became true disciples and followers of Jesus Christ despite the fact of being ridiculed and scorned by their wives, their families, the entire village, the crazy men uh, who, who accepted this foreign concept of a foreigner named Jesus, and they had no support. But next Sunday came, and they met under that mango tree, and they held a church service. And one guy prayed the opening prayer. They remembered the pastor praying. The second guy... Sang the song, they remembered the pastor singing. The third guy preached the sermon that they remembered the pastor preaching, kind of a compilation of his whole week of messages. And the fourth guy uh, gave the closing prayer, they remembered the pastor praying. They didn't have a Bible. There wasn't a Bible in their language yet. They didn't have opportunity for any of that, but they used what they had, and they had their service. The next Sunday (laughs) came around, they met under the mango tree again, and they had the same service. They just rotated who prayed the opening prayer, and who led the song, and who led the sermon. And every week, they would just rotate through how they did and their service. All was going fine except the fact that nobody was joining them. And the ridicule continued year after year. They prayed, Lord, we, we need to meet, to, to have more people come to faith in you. Lord, how, how do we share this? Nobody's accepting our message when an epidemic came to the village. People started to die. Sickness was everywhere except in the homes of those four men. None of their families got sick. The neighbors took notice and said, would you pray for us? Maybe there really is something about this name of Jesus. Healing came to some homes. The epidemic was stopped in the village. And the next week, that mango tree, hundreds of people gathered under and around that mango tree. So they had their service. The one guy you know, prayed the prayer, one guy sang the song, one guy preached a message, one guy gave the closing prayer, and they realized they were in trouble, because that's the only service they had. <laughs> it's the only sermon they knew. So they took the four-day hike, found that pastor, and said, "We now have a church for you. Would you please come and, and teach us?" And the pastor did found hundreds of people gathered that were hungry to hear the word of God. He stayed for 25 years. And from that church, dozens and dozens of pastors have gone out throughout the Philippines, which now has 3,000 sister churches. (laughs) So I trust you're getting the basic one-point message I've got today. Dark backdrops. Are dark we're not denial kind of people pretenders oh everything's a no it's ugly it's crooked it's depraved it's totally a mess but against that dark backdrop the light shines and do not believe the lie that just because a situation is dark that therefore the light is extinguished the opposite is actually the fact the light can shine brightest in the darkest of situations So I'm inviting you to full engagement into this thing called shining the light of Jesus to the world, to be more engaged with, you know, financially, prayerfully, personally, uh, passionately supporting what God is doing because you're part of this family that is doing some very significant things and I didn't even get a bunch on my list today. But as I close, I wanna come to a very personal application and it's this, sometimes that dark backdrop isn't on the nightly news. It's on your email. (laughs) It's on your medical report. It's on your bank statement. It's on your kitchen table conversation. The the dark backdrop sometimes, as I testify, comes very close to home and body. And I want to stand before you and say, the light can still shine. I'm going to show you a two-minute video clip It's a piece of Salem Alliance history. I had the sudden illness, hospitalized for 77 days. You as a church family stood by me, you prayed for me. I was on the disabled list. There's another metaphor for you. And uh, I was asked to come back and try to say a few messages. This video is from about eight years ago, right this time of year. You will not be able to see because the angle of the camera, I'm standing at a walker to support myself. I carefully hide the feeding tube under my shirt so that nobody can see it. A spit rag arises from my pocket so that I have something to spit my saliva in because I'm not able to swallow my own saliva. But I want you to see the dark backdrop and consider your own storyline of how the light can still shine in the midst of a dark setting. Watch this.
1: I don't really like the journey I'm on. But I want you to know God is in it and God is good. God is in this journey, and God can only be good. He is to me forever Christ. Some of you don't like the journey, you're not either right now. You're in tough, a tough spot. Economically, hard time. Physic, physically, bad news. Relationally, tough situation. Emotionally, struggling. Please know that he, according to Psalm 1, Thirty-nine. According to Psalm one thirty-nine, he is the God of the light and the darkness. Too much. Too much. American theology is of the God of the light only. But the scripture is clear that he's the God of the day and the night, the light and the dark, the victory and the battle, the battle. Job didn't like his situation. Jeremiah didn't like his life. Jesus didn't like being in the garden. I don't like my situation, but God is it and God is good. So if you understood any of that, congratulations.
0: See, what you don't hear in that video is that Satan was trying to say to me, Your light is snuffed. There's nothing for you to do. The story is over. And isolate from people. The hardest thing that year for us personally was coming to Salem Alliance Church. All you happy people singing happy songs. How you doing? Worse than yesterday. You know, thanks for asking. We just wanted to isolate because the enemy was whispering these lies, lies, lies. And I used to preach long sermons about God. Now it was down to one sentence. Did you get it? I was down to one sentence. All I know is God's in this, God's good. That's all I got. <clears throat> but it was a driving a stake in the ground publicly saying, I'm really confused. I don't like this at all. But this much I know I've got a God. He's good. Let's go from there. <laughs> and you, Satan Alliance, were shining brightly in that whole storyline. I'm ending this message by looking at you not knowing who currently is having a difficult time in your life, but simply saying, do not believe the whisper that says this dark backdrop is all encompassing to just snuff out everything of light within you. Lie. Truth is, it's a dark backdrop. It's not easy, but it's an opportunity. Just like educating women in Senegal and a young guy in a terrorist training cell camp having a thought about finding a Bible, there is a light that can shine through you uniquely intensified. Get that. Uniquely intensified because of the dark backdrop. Your testimony will be stronger. Your witness will be clearer. Your faith will be deeper because you are choosing to let the light of Christ shine through you in spite of a very difficult situation. And by the way, it's not your last chapter either. Can we get an amen for that? Just because this isn't a French film, you know, just because it's a bad chapter, it's not the last chapter. So trust God that there's more for you. So church, you are the light of the world. I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Yes, Jesus says that too. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We celebrate that. But he also says to us, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You, Salem Alliance Church, are being light. Continue to let that light shine in this city and to the nations. God's peace to you. Thank you. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers@salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com
1: backslash Salem Alliance.